This is Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I, as always, am Artemis Albosa, a member of Noir, and joining me today, we have two fantastic and extremely knowledgeable guests about today's topic. First going down the alphabetical list is Ashtarothi, a member of a corporation I can't pronounce. Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashtarothi, and I am the COO of Malro Corporation. COO, what does that uh, stand for exactly? Chief Operations Offer, uh, Officer. So I'm not the CEO, I'm not the person that actually runs the corporation, but I'm the guy who makes things happen on a day-to-day basis. All right, right on. Also joining us today, yet another knowledgeable guest, is Fon Sui, a member of Signal Cartel. Good evening, everyone. And if you are familiar with either of these two gentlemen, you probably know what we're talking about today. It is Triglavian Invasions. So to give a quick rundown, Triglavians, they're the newest race, so to speak, that has been added to EVE Online. I know I'm probably going to be corrected on that later in the show, but let's glaze over for the time being. In the most, in, in the most loosest sense, yes. Yeah. Right on. Well, they're here. The Triangle Boys are here, and they've invaded HiSec for a while now. And recently, or at least since we last covered the topic, they've also been invading LowSec, and some some other awesome things have been changing and occurring. So we're just going to main thing here. First of all, we're going to go over what changes have happened since we last covered the Triglavian invasions. Then we're going to discuss a little, should you get involved, right? Is it worth your time? And then also, how can you get involved if you're interested? And then finally, we're going to really dive deep into the lore of this, right? What's the story that we're getting out of all the nonsense that's been happening throughout Empire Space and beyond? So with that precursor out of the way, Fonsui, can you give us just a quick rundown? Like, give us an overall narrative. What's up with these Triglavian invasions? Uh, Ash, did I catch a, a little chuckle when he said precursor? <laughs> yeah. I caught it. That was a. I saw. I saw a smirk. Well I saw a smirk. Well done. I don't know if that was intentional, but that was that was good. Uh, the Dragalvians are known as precursors. For anyone who doesn't get it, we're extra nerdy. But in, in any case, um, there there has been quite a, a bit of change since we've last discussed this topic. Uh, I think that where we last left you was right as the world arcs were showing up. Uh, people hadn't had either run one or were about to. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of information available, and there has been quite a bit of change since then. Um, the Triglavians have uh, expanded their presence. They are now uh, they are now showing up outside of invasions uh, more than ever before. Uh, what we are seeing is uh, small fleets known as Rasnaborg scout fleets with uh, one to five Damoviks, and they are warping around high security space. Sitting on gates, sitting on stations, going to celestials, going to belts, and they are killing AFK players in high sec. To be, to be clear, Damoviks, uh, Damoviks are the frigates of the Triglavian ship line. So basically, yes. just, just one to five frigates. So if you're fighting them, they're not that hard. But if you're AFK, they'll eat you alive. Yeah, these these uh, these rats are somewhat different than the rats that you have seen in you know in other types of content these ones have some real teeth uh they're they're quite they're quite scary uh if you come prepared to fight them then you can defeat them fairly easily and you can actually make some decent money off of it as well but uh if you're not ready they will absolutely take you out uh so that covers some of these scout fleets that are warping around 
that's the least of uh you know of of, of the influence of the Shkodlavian collective that we've seen so far. Uh, another new development that we have recently seen in the past few weeks is emerging conduits, which we have received uh, some very vague word from CCP uh, indicating that they uh, the systems that they are located in and can be found uh, is related somehow to where the invasions are. There are some amount of jumps or some distance uh, from the existing invasions. Uh, these emerging conduits are intended for one to three players. They are fairly easy, but you, again, must come prepared or you will absolutely lose your ship. Uh, and they are showing up all over HiSec. Uh, they will remain in a system for a day or more. As soon as one is cleared, another one will spawn in the same system within 60 seconds. So these things can be done all day long. The Rasnaborg are similar. The, the roaming Rasnaborg, as soon as a pack is destroyed, and uh, within uh, a very short period of time, another pack will spawn somewhere else in the system. The, the, the nice thing about the Rasnaborg, uh, the actual squad, is that it's designed to help players practice and learn how to descan, because that's the best way to look for these things, either uh, combat probing or descanning them down. So the, to be clear, these... Uh... The, this term Rasnaborg is, you know, the in-game name, you know, the, you know, proper noun that's being applied to the, uh, the Triglavian ships that are found outside of the invasion specifically. So they are the scout fleets that are warping around, and, the, and Rasnaborg is also going to be the name of the ones that you find inside the emerging conduits, which work in a very similar way to the conduits that we've seen so far, the miners and the majors. They have a couple of waves. Rift is sealed. There's some rocks to chew on if you so if you so choose, and another one spawns afterwards. The reward for these is obviously slightly less than the minor conduits, but the uh, difficulty is significantly lower as well, especially considering the fact that you're not in an invasion system and you can't get a gigantic invasion-sized uh, warp and fleet that just drops on you while you're clearing this site. So people have what's, been what's doing this, this warp and fleet. What do you mean? So when you are uh, when you are in invasion systems and fighting, or even just sitting on a gate or a celestial or anything, there are invasion-sized scout fleets. Just as there are Rasnaborg scout fleets outside invasions, there are actual invasion-sized scout fleets inside. And the deeper you are into the invasion, the larger these fleets are. And you hang out at a site, and Ash will tell you, you know, he's 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 sat at the sun, and just let them come. Wait, what? Uh, really? There, there's he, a video on my YouTube channel of a 42-minute slugfest with Triglavians at the su uh, sun. It was pretty nuts. Like, they just they keep respawning similar to the way the Rasnaborgs do? No, so... Um, and actually... The there, are, there are multiple fleets in the system at once, and when you kill one, another one spawns somewhere else and might warp in on you. So he's fighting one, a second one shows up, the one he kills spawns another one somewhere else, and then that one goes and joins. Right. They send out little... We're not 100% sure how the respawn mechanics and the spawning mechanics of the actual fleets work inside of invasions, but uh, they seem to send out basically distress calls. So as you're fighting them, they will... Um, you know, there will be warp-ins of other packs from throughout the system that will come and join in the fight. Um, and you'll, you can even see in the video, um, 
because we warp in at 100 and they burn towards us. And as soon as we hit contact with one another, I think it's three more fleets warp in, one from each direction. Um, and that's how the fight started. <laughs> wow. Sounds like these things might be worth fighting in and of themselves, let alone the conduits. But we'll, we'll dig into what's worth doing and what's not a bit later. Fonsu, you want to get back on track as far as what, uh, what has been added, what changes have happened since we last covered these? Actually, I want to go back to those roaming packs real quick because it does represent a change also. When we, last, when we first started discussing these things, uh, we recommended to people or we gave people some um, uh, facts about the situation. Uh, in the, the conduits in invasions, once they're completed, are, become what's called sealed conduits and, and still remain in space for a while. And originally... Uh, the rats, they these roaming packs, would not warp to the conduits once they were sealed. Um, and that made it so that they were safe places to mine. However, if you remember during blackout, when the or not blackout, during the drifter attacks, when the drifters disappeared for a little while and then came back with a different behavior, that also changed the behavior of the Triglavian rats. And since that time, they will warp to any anomaly, including a sealed miner conduit. It's also uh, very, very rare, but we do have con confirmation that anchoring can be on gates. So while it is extremely rare, you can have rats that will scram you on a gate in an invasion. So system. don't be like me and just boat your freighter through an invasion's pocket anymore. Bad idea, well, though. Well, I mean, again, extremely rare. And, and if, they, if they don't have anchoring and they only have like, things like tangling, then they actually help you because they web you into warp. Will they do the stupid thing that all EVE pilots should know not to do, which is web before they point? Is that a thing well, that happens? So the way that they work is that each of the trig have a random EWAR assigned to them or, um, or one of another property. So the anchoring Kiki, or the, sorry, the anchoring ships, the anchoring Damoviks um, or Kikis will uh, warp scramble you. And then the tangling will web you. So it'll be two different rats that are locking you, and then they'll, they'll do it. But if there's no anchoring, then it's just the webbing, and then they web you and you go. Yeah, so if there's a web and a, and a scram in there, and the web gets you first, <laughs> then you're all right. I certainly wouldn't rely on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you should not. You should not rely on that. Do not. Don't bring your freighter through invasions. I would like to... Take a moment here to welcome Silver Suspiria, a member of Federation Uprising. He has just joined us on the show. Welcome, Silver. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. Some personal problems tonight. Oh, good. Ashtrothy, you were about to say something. Uh, well, I, I was just saying that, that the situation is incredibly rare, right? So chances are there won't be anything on the gate at all. Chances are, if there are something on the gate, it won't be an anchoring. Chances are, if there is an anchoring, there will be somebody else on the gate at some point during your one-minute cloak that will take their attention away so that way you can warp. Or um, they'll warp away within that minute of cloak. So it takes a series of very bad events to have it happen. But, I mean, you know, bring a scout. There you go. All right, so that's yet another change that just happened to the Triglavian since we last covered it. Are there anything else that we need to cover, Fonsui? Oh, there's quite a list. So we're working from the outside in, we have the scout fleets, the Rasnaborg scout fleets, and the Rasnaborg uh, Triglavians that are in the emerging conduits. 
And now as we work our way inside, um, there have been uh, there have been some changes inside the invasions as well. Uh, well, f first and foremost, this is this isn't necessarily a change as far as something that CCP has done, but uh, the market <laughs> has changed significantly, and we're going to get more into the profitability uh, and you know how much you want to get into this later. But it should be known that this content actually has been rather popular, and the the presence of the emerging conduits has caused a lot more salvage to be on the market. So the the value of the salvage portion is being somewhat reduced. I think, uh, Ash, do you have any comments regarding that? Yeah, so starting uh, when the emergent conduits came out, so about a week ago, we started to see a decline in salvage, or sorry, a decline in um, like the value of that salvage. Uh, clearly, um, it, they are very popular because of the other change that Fonsui is going to probably go into next, which is that the... Um, the fact that there are actually less invasions being ran right now, um, but this is more than compensating for it. So you're seeing a big uh, consumption of this salvage to make T2 Triglavian ships. But the problem is, is that that requires T1 Triglavian ships, which is putting additional pressure on an already struggling T1 uh, Triglavian market, with the, um, which comes from abyssals, right? So in the last week, we have seen... Zero point condensate go from roughly sixty four thousand uh, isk per unit to I think last we checked it was one hundred and forty five thousand isk per unit. So you're telling me I should start running my vessels again because this is one of the the reasons I I sort of stopped or lost interest is because the market just kept going down and down and down and so every oh, every day I log in so the tri abyssal sites like you're actually gaining more than you used to now. Um, quite quite so. Specifically, uh, the sites that drop zero-point condensate, which are exotics and firestorms, and particularly firestorms because they are uh, the least run. They are the scariest. Uh, therefore, the keys for Tier 5 firestorms are like 2 million isk instead of 20 million isk or 25. Uh, and the mutaplasmids are more in demand because fewer people are running those particular sites, so armor plasmids, which come from firestorm sites. So if uh, if you've got if you've got the balls and you've got the ship, uh, I strongly recommend running some uh, tier five firestorms, collecting some zero point, and making some extra bank. And the firestorms, those have the bonuses to your, or pardon me, the reduction in your thermal resist, but the bonuses to your armor HP. Yeah, you get a bonus to armor HP, which does diddly squat for you. Uh, and unfortunately helps the rats quite a bit because you have a lot more to chew through now, and having more brick doesn't really do very much since you're an active tank and you're relying on resistant reps, not your buffer. Uh, so firestorms are generally considered the toughest uh, of all the sites. There's no assist whatsoever. You receive nothing. Uh, the best the best thing that you're getting in there is the, the resist penalty on the rats that lets you do a little more damage. So Astrothy mentioned something in there where... There are fewer players running invasions now, or rather, there are fewer invasions being run. What What's the deal with that? What changed? What happened? Well, I should I should comment on that. He runs them significantly more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as of the last patch, uh, in the patch notes, it said that the Triglavians are uh, extending their presence into Losec, and um, we, within a day, started to see. Uh, sites where the foothold was in uh, a low sex system, which was unheard of before. 
This means that we have world arcs in, uh, in low-sec systems. And we've done some tests, and we discovered that the rewards in low-sec are roughly 40% greater, uh, a little bit more than 40% greater than the same exact site in a, uh, in a normal high-sec system. Um, this also kind of explains another change that we saw just prior to this, which is that world arcs now have, their, have a gate. They don't, you, you don't warp directly to the world arc anymore. You now warp to a, a basically a, a fancified acceleration gate um, and then use the acceleration gate to get in. What, uh, what impact does that have on the way that these are run? Well, it gives you uh, a little bit of warning if someone's going to try to warp in on you um, in the middle of the fight. It also, my assumption is that it's to prevent capitals from running uh, the world arc sites. Ah, I see. But all subcapital ships are still allowed in, yeah? Yeah, we haven't Correct. had any site restrictions whatsoever. Awesome. So that's I. Th I think that covers most of the changes. The 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 last, or at least one of the last, is uh, the stat changes on a lot of this stuff. So uh, primarily in the world arc site, uh, a lot of the rats have had their stats uh, very very tuned. Um, the Drekovacs are more glass cannon than they were before. Uh, less HP, more newt. Uh, the Zorias are, were given additional HP, additional newt, some other stuff. The, all of the pylons in the World Arc were given, I think, twice their HP. Uh, what do you mean by pylons? What's that? So as, as a portion of the World Arc fight, uh, which is effectively uh, a raid, uh, it's a phased fight during which there are points at which pylons spawn, little towers, and they have different effects like ECM or... They will boost you around, you know. Wait, what? Really? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, every, smart bombs. Every pylon, every pylon spawn comes with one transportation pylon, and if that transportation pylon is within thirty k of your ship of your fleet, they can randomly teleport any of your fleet mates a uh, hundred kilometers, roughly every ten to fifteen seconds. Is this like a situation that they have in incursions where you know exactly where it's going to spawn, so you know how to avoid it, or does it just spawn nope. randomly and you have to get lucky? It's mostly random. Okay. Like you know when it approximately it'll happen, but you don't necessarily know whether or not they will be nearby or not. And in fact, I mean, like they can be a hundred kilometers away. So it took us a long time to suss out because it's not like you want to risk it and not kill it. So it took us a few weeks to figure out where its minimum ranges are. And now we know that it can't affect anything above thirty kilometers. We kind of walked our way closer and closer. Like, okay, well, let's not destroy them if they're above fifty. <laughs> so the, the the random nature of this is semi-random just as we see in Abyss. We have we were having a discussion about this the other day, and there's a certain amount of randomness that is inherent to the Triglavian Collective and all the content that's surrounding them. Uh, but it's structured randomness. You know, the spawns in Abyss have a point system, and there's a certain type of room that you spawn into, and then within that type of room, they will allocate points. So there are rules but there is randomness within that. So those spawn rules are similar for these sites. And uh, the world arc has certain components that are predictable and others that are not. So as Ash said, you don't know where these towers are going to spawn. You kind of know what's going to spawn and you kind of know when. And some stuff you can pin down you know, quite a bit, but there's always going to be some stuff that you just can't account for. 
So right. some of these towers have been made more impactful. Also, the rats have been made more impactful. How much more difficult is the site to run now? The well, overall, the, the uh, all of the sites have become a little bit more deadly. Uh, well, majors and world arcs have both become more deadly because those starving Drekoviks have gone from dangerous to deadly if you don't deal with them very, very, very quickly. To put it into perspective, um, six Drekoviks now, which is possible as a spawn, uh, especially in the world arcs, can newt out a guardian from full to zero in a single cycle. So, for instance, in the first... Yeah, in the first world arc that we did um, after the changes, we had two guardians get nuded out at the same time, and now and during the same point in time. Because the okay, so at the very end of the fight, uh, several things happen all in sequence. The first thing that happens is a bunch of new pylons spawn, which includes a transportation pylon. Uh, the second thing, uh, and sorry, the other pylons are mostly uh, energy. Um, energy burst pylons, which are basically smart bombing pylons. So suddenly the entire room becomes like just giant explosions. And two n more full waves of rats come out. So you're talking easily 50 plus rats stream out of the, uh, out of the world arc. And then spawns the Zoria. And it says in the post, or in, the, in, the, in local, it says that it appears that Zoria is issuing a formal challenge. And so we've, we've come to take this, uh, we've come to call this Zoria's challenge. And at that point, the goal is to kill the Zoria and, and basically nothing else. Once the Zoria is dead, that triggers payout, that triggers the world arc to despawn, that triggers the, the, the towers to begin to despawn. Um, so uh, the problem is, is that, like I said, there's smart bombing everywhere. You have all these rats so that they're, they are putting pressure on at least four or five different uh, uh, targets at the same time. Um, you're, there is at least six to eight anchoring ships, so little frigates that need to be killed before you can warp off because random of your guys are scrammed. So basically there's this roughly 30 seconds of just absolute hell in which your Lodgy are trying to keep things together just enough to kill the, uh, the anchoring and get off the field. Or if you have enough Lodgy and you can hold it together, you can, of course, you know, kill them all and then loot all the salvage. So let's, let's talk about that looting process a little bit. This Zoria is, is this the rat that drops the officer modules, the officer guns and... Zoria, well, Zoria is the name that is used for both the commanders and the officers. So okay. uh, in, in all of these waves, in all these sites, you're going to find a Zoria something. It could be a frigate, it could be a destroyer, it could be a cruiser, you know, any of this stuff. Uh, in the world arcs, you're going to find specially named Zorias. It'll be called Zoria's Hospodar, and, uh, or what's the other one named? Hoplite. Yeah, uh, Hospodar is one of them, and then there's another one I've forgotten. But the point is that they have special names. It's Zoria's something. And it's not called a Leshak, it's not called a Vedmak, it's not called anything you've seen before. Uh, they are they are the Leshak ship, though. No, uh, that's not correct. Each one uh, of them is a different type. They can be of any kind, uh, any of the types, because that's what determines what they drop. Like a, if it's a Damovic, then it'll drop a, a light it's gun. It's going to drop. Okay, I've got it. And it's going to drop the officer version of the light gun and the officer version of the heavy gun and the officer version of the super title gun based on the ship. Or could yes, yes. 
that that is that is if it drops something that is what you can you know which one it's going to be based on the ship that it is and they all have a chance to drop the radiation sink yes the officer radiation sink both of the radiation sinks so uh, fairly frequently the the fairly commonly they will drop um, a uh, Vela's radiation sink which is the faction radiation sink but then rarely they will drop the Zoria's radiation sink which is the officer one. So let's talk about how does how does the market work for these sorts of things like officer modules and things. Usually, it there so there are some people who farm them, but it's a, a bit of a niche thing. Whereas in this case, you have a whole lot more people farming this, and the faster you run the world arcs, the faster you run these invasions, the faster theoretically you're getting these drops. So is the market just tanking for these modules? What how's it working? They're they're actually <laughs> it's not working. So. There are not that many people running world arcs right now. Like, not even there. A lot of the invasion groups aren't really running the world arcs. Um, so, there actually isn't that many on the market at any given time. Uh, that being Why said, they're that, also not moving very much. Why is that? Because, well, I mean, they are, they require quite a bit more than even miners do, right? So, if you can put together an eight-man fleet, you can run miners really, really well with you know vindicators and, and nightmares. But unless you have you know ten to fifteen plus people, then you're going to have trouble in the world arc. You know, instead of three logi, you now need at least five logi. Okay, so just the amount of support and numbers you need is what keeps people out of there. Right, well, additionally, the problem is is that the Zoria is very noticeable, like. People who uh, prey off of these sites understand how it works. And so they can come in right when the Zoria spawns or right before it and steal the loot or steal the kill, whichever they want to go with. Um, and therefore, you know, basically, you know, three days worth of payout just goes away. And so between that and how deadly they can be if things go wrong, some people just avoid them for the more stable miners or majors, I mean. Gotcha. The these these sites are designed for ten ships. The world arc sites are designed for ten ships. Uh, generally speaking, most of the groups that are doing them are bringing more. Uh, it can be done with fewer, and there are in fact some people who are doing it with eight ships even or ten ships. Uh, and when you have a fleet that's uh, that small. It is possible for a dedicated player to multi-box, and you can really minimize the number of actual people that are running this site, which will maximize your profits. Uh, granted, the items that come from the world arc, the, the big ticket items, not just the payout, the seven hundred and fifty million isk that, that that the site is worth, and the the sixty thousand loyalty points and the salvage. But these big ticket items, these these the, the the faction radiation sinks, which are worth billions, the officer radiation sinks, which are worth billions, the officer guns, which are worth billions, these items are difficult to move because they are there's so few of them, therefore they are very expensive, and because they are so expensive, there's a very limited uh, market for them. So it's it's not the sort of thing you're really going to sell on the in-game market. It's going to be something that you're going to sell because you know somebody who knows somebody who wants one. So you, you actually need a fence for this sort of stuff. You really do need a fence, these things. They are quite hot. So people aren't running them. Part of that is because the, the reward, it's rare for you to get it. 
because loot theft and things like that. Also, these well, things are, are dangerous, rare. right? It's not well, rare? It's not rare for you to get it. So here's, here's something else that we discussed. The drop rate is not a rare drop rate. It is rare for it to sh for the item to exist because of how much the sites are being run, etc. So as you said that, but when you do run these sites, you can pretty much expect to get one of these, at least something out of there. So you sometimes don't, but you can pretty much expect it. And that has come to create a number of issues because it is so expectable. It draws out a lot of thievery. And because the this particular the, the officer is so notable and when it shows up is so predictable, it uh, kind of creates a perfect situation for the thief and leaves uh, the legitimate site runner to kind of deal with the fallout of this situation. So we have proposed some changes that may make this a little bit uh, a little bit less frustrating and more rewarding for everyone. Well, there's also some uh, the. It's easy to zero in on them because there aren't that many invasions going on at any given time. Uh, especially if you consider that they have to be in world arc uh, detected. And then even then, there's only one world arc every couple of hours. So at any given time, there may only be one world arc in the entirety of New Eden. So it's not that hard for somebody who's inclined to be interested in taking this stuff uh, to find where people are doing it, potentially. Okay, so you can definitely like have some avenues to make some misc from invasions by stealing the loot. What about people who are running these invasions? What sort of rewards are they getting apart from the stuff that hopefully doesn't get stolen? Well, as I think Fonsui said earlier, uh, or maybe, I don't know, but uh, there is a ISK and LP payout that's pretty significant out of the, uh, out of the world arc as well. You can uh, you can bring up the yeah that graphic there. So these these are the, the full value of these individual sites. Uh, the loyalty points are quite juicy, by the way. Loyalty points are worth like somewhere between ten and twenty thousand isk apiece, depending on the day or the week. And they've been dropping, but uh, they're actually going to be getting. They keep adding stuff to this. They're uh, they're yeah like they're the adding mid grade triglades. Yep, the mid grades are coming out. The mid grades are not out yet, and they're coming out. The low grades were just added, so uh, you can get a steady, permanent source of the five percent agency boosters, which give you five percent damage, or five percent tank, or five percent speed. This is the only sustainable source of those boosters. This, these loyalty points. So this is this is loyalty points that are never going to lose value. Like un until those agency boosters start dropping like candy from somewhere else. This is the only infinitely sustainable source, indefinitely sustainable source, rather. So those loyalty points are good. Uh, you see there's a cap column on that, uh, on that table, and uh, that refers to the percentage of the total payout that is available to any individual ship that is on the payout list. Uh, as we have stated before, in order to get on the payout list, you have to either deal damage or repair someone that is dealing damage. So... You get on field, if you want to eat up the whole payment for an emerging conduit or a minor conduit, if you bring fewer than three ships, then you are leaving part of the payout on the table. Uh, if you bring fewer than five ships for a major, you're leaving part of the payout on the table. If you bring fewer than ten for a world arc, you're leaving part of the payout on the table. If the number of ships on the payout list exceeds that, then it is simply split evenly. 
the you know the the full value of the site is split evenly between all members paid. Do you have to be like on grid when the site completes to receive this payout, or can I just warp in with a fast warping long range sniper ship, go into site after site, shoot a rat, and then go away and wait for somebody to finish that site? You have to you have to be on on grid when when the site is paid out. Uh, yeah, on grid at completion, and not cloaked. Oh, okay. That's a good distinction. How do command ships get paid? Do they just have to rep or do damage? Uh, yeah. Um, that's why yeah, I, I usually bring guns and has drones. Yeah, yeah, I either have a gun or actually, um, I as an armor command ship, I use a EOS. Um, and so I function also as the drone bunny. Um, and as a shield, I bring the Orca, which is a whole new story. Um, but yeah, the Orca has combat drones too. That Then I, I slave those off to the real drone bunny in that case. Okay, so let's, let's burn it down and talk, to, talk about whatever, what everybody really wants to know, which is like ISK per hour. It's the way that people judge what they want to do in EVE Online nowadays. What is the ISK per hour out of invasions? And the ISK per hour from invasions is literally whatever you want it to be. It provides opportunities at every level. You can go super chill and you can go solo the emerging conduits in one system all day long and you know find a nice quiet system where there's an emerging conduit. Maybe there's one of the guys that are running them, maybe not. And you can maybe bring a friend, maybe bring two because you know you kind of want to eat the whole payout anyway and you need more ships to eat the whole payout and you can go super chill and make like 50 100 150 mil an hour depending on how hard you go if you go really hard if you triple box and you like you like hateless gaming does and you do it alone then you can make you know a couple hundred mil an hour doing that even the super basic content you can bring that same setup to minor conduits if you you know buff it up a little bit more you got to make it able to tank a little bit more a little do a little bit more damage and similar opportunities uh then you scale up to larger fleets like ashrons and you have and you can go and swat miners and majors out of the sky like they don't exist and the payout is a little bit less but you're having fun and you're doing something else so really there's there's opportunities kind of across the board all the way up to the world are uh for you know, hundreds of millions of ISK an hour all the way down to, you know, 50. Yeah, so, like, what's the min-max number? Like, I, I'm a min-maxer, and I want to maximize my ISK output. I've talked to some of the other Triglavian invasion groups that run majors predominantly, and they say that they make roughly 100 to 150 million ISK per hour. Um, Is that per character? Yes, per character. Okay. And that's oh, not that's including good. LP. Okay, so wow. Um, okay, yeah. yeah so yeah, you're yeah. talking a lot of money. Yeah, is that including loot as well? Yes, that's that's loot and isk payouts. Okay, which also half of the loot is red loot. So half of the loot is is basically guaranteed isk. Yeah, red loot is uh, the Triglavian survey database. It's called red loot because it's red and wormhole. The isk tokens you get from wormholes are called blue loot. So this is essentially the same thing. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and they sell this stuff to people, and you should never do that. Uh, you should fly over to an NPC order uh, found in Concord stations. They will buy those for 100,000 SPs flat, and they will never take cut off of you. So sell your red loot to NPCs, people. It's it's free-esque. Yeah. So, um, but 
the emergent conduits, uh, if you have the capability of just rolling them, there are people that are getting some very good numbers. I mean, I could roll because my solo Drekovic was doing them very consistently at about 12 minutes per site from, from payout to payout. And the payout alone is four four point five million. And then uh, the the loot and salvage and with 300 LP, and then the loot and salvage includes up to two Zorias, which means you could ha you can get the mutaplasmids, you can get pretty good um, uh, red loot and whatnot. You could get nothing, um, but I think on average you get somewhere between 10 to 20 million isk per site in uh, loot and salvage. So already you're talking about like easily 20 to 50 million isk for 10, 10 to 12 minutes worth of effort. Um, and the thing is, is that because they're, uh, they're kind of technically demanding and the fact that you're having to loot and salvage and all that stuff in order to be as efficient as possible, you only have one minute in between sites to get totally ready for the next site and be ready to, you know, be on it. Um, so trying to like refine it down to be as efficient as possible allows you to almost like enter into one of those flow states where we've had players that lost three to four hours where they're like, oh crap, I've been, I just ran, you know, 50 minor or <laughs> emergent conduits without even realizing it. If you watch uh, Hateless's VODs, he literally says that. He's like, wow, how long have I been doing this? And he was flying three ships, like all at the same time. It's, it's pretty crazy. And he's making quite a bit. Like I, I've become convinced. So is that, that uh, yeah, uh, sorry, go ahead. It's like 150 million an hour with the chance of jackpot too. Like, like could you grab like what are the what are the drop rates for like the officer stuff and like? Well, the officer stuff only happens from uh, from the world arcs, and it happens fairly reliably from the world arcs. But the world arcs are hours and hours apart, and like a major effort. You're not you will not okay. get those items outside of there. I didn't know that. I thought maybe that you had the right. chance in a. No, the best things you're going to get is fancy mutaplasmids. So somewhere between twenty to hundred million, maybe. Although mutaplasmid, those mutaplasmid prices are are taking more of a hit than than the salvages. Let's just put it that hey, way. You, you should assume no jackpots. You should assume steady isk based on this. Uh, just like just like abyss used to be jackpots and it was brand new, and it always was bound to settle into steady isk. So has this, and you can make. You know, people are, are, are talking about 100 and 150, and that's that's good. Like, that's not bad money at all. But you can up that to 400, 500, 600 an hour if you if you get really super try-hard about this. Uh, it, it's, it's getting harder to do that as the salvage goes lower. But this is these numbers are very doable, especially once you start getting into multi-boxing majors and multi-boxing world arcs. Like, this is very, very realistically very extreme high-end payout uh, content. All right, so if you're a player and this sounds like something you may be interested in, be it because you like the lore or you like the idea of doing group PvE or multi-boxing and min-maxing or you just like ISK, how, how does one get involved? How do I get that ISK? How do I do it? Uh, you join the Abyssal Lurkers Discord, you join uh, the Malro Discord, and you hang out with Ash when he does fleets and you'll learn absolutely everything there is to know about this stuff, and then you can go and, uh, and do them yourself. Yeah, there are several good um, Triglavian fleets. Uh, Entropic Collective, Triglavian Defense, uh, spring to mind. Um, and then, of course, Arataka Research Consortium do their own 
And I think that they still let, let other people in. Um, and those are kind of the fleets that a lot of people can join or most people, you know, relatively open fleets uh, or communities that you can join, I should say. Um, as far as the Rasnaborg and the Emergence, you really just, I mean, you fit up your Drekovic or better for the Emergence and just get out there and start doing them. The nice thing is, is that, you know, these are basically that friendship machine that they're talking about, right? Because somebody, you can be rolling these things and somebody else comes in the site and you don't immediately hate them. They're not stealing your loot necessarily. Well, they're not stealing your payouts. Um, and in fact, they're making you go faster. And so, you know, this could become a foster a positive relationship, which could become t synergistic and teamwork and become a, a group. And now you have three people and a three people is a frigate abyss. And now you have enough for miners and then you need enough for majors. And now you have a corporation and you know, get what I'm saying? Like this is a, this is like the germination points for some of those social bonds that they're trying to make um, in EVE. So you really can do it as a solo. Just get out there in a uh, well-tanked battleship or at least be ready to be, be on alert. You know, uh, they do a lot of damage. Basically, in emergence, each wave doubles the DPS of the wave previously. Um, and so, the, but the key is, is that they don't bring anchoring. So you, you can always warp off. Um, but if you find a tank, if you find a ship that's good enough, uh, you just start running them. 900, 900 effective hit points per second hot is kind of what you want to have for these sites. And that do they only do the Triglavian EM and, or pardon me, thermal and explosive, okay. or do you have? Okay, okay, okay. So if they have uh, an E war name, so tangling or renewing, or well, renewing is repping, but. You know, if they have one of those kinds of names, um, then they just are traditional. They do explosive thermal, right? If they have um, uh, no name like that, so they're either just, um, a, well, they'll be called uh, liminal in, inside of the invasion systems. And they'll be, that'll be just Rasnaborg um, outside of invasion systems. Uh, if they have no E-War, then they also have a missile. And that missile does a very high amount of EM and kinetic, enough that it brings down their percentage of damage done from, you know, 48% and 52% to like eight and nine uh, because of how much more damage the, the missile does. But that doesn't ramp up. And then finally, the Zoria has a different kind of missile, I'm pretty sure, but the Zoria does primarily 60% EM damage and then everything else is kind of lower than that. So my, uh, my requested... Um, profile would be 60% EM, 75% explosive or uh, thermal, 50% uh, kinetic and 75% explosive, which with explosive and thermal being pumped as high as you possibly can. Uh, my standards for Logi are much higher. You're talking about at least 85 in thermal and kinetic. And some of our fits have uh, anywhere from 92 to 95% resistances in either or both um, explosive and thermal. Wow. Is there any other sort of mechanics, tips and tricks or things to do, isk to make in these Triglavians that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, so there's an interesting trick that exists in both miners and emergents, which is that they are not uh, dead space. Um, and therefore, when you warp in, there will be rocks on the far side that are over 150 kilometers away. And if you catch one of those, usually I use a control 
as I'm landing, I control bounding box the backside of it in order to find one of them and then spam right click as I'm landing. And as soon as you're finished landing, it'll change to warp at distance. And if you warp at either 100 or 70, you'll land very close to the actual conduit itself. In the, uh, and that will greatly aid your ability to get damage on target very quickly, uh, salvage quicker because you can drop your pack rat right next to there. The Zoria can't burn off somewhere crazy. You can web them right away. Um, you know, it just allows you to control the situation a little bit better. It does make it so that you can't kite them, but uh, it gets you on target faster. What, what he's referring to is the fact that uh, in the very center of the site is uh, a rift in space, which is pre the precise spot where the rats all spawn from. So very often uh, the ships people are bringing for these are propless. They are no prop builds. So you don't really have a lot of maneuverability. Sometimes they do, but very often they do not. So getting right on top of that conduit, or right on top of that rift, smack in the middle of the site when it spawns, means that you grab everything right out of the gate and you know stuff doesn't get away. It can cut your time significantly. And uh, as he said, the, the method is using one of the rocks in there to warp once you, you, know, once you land. Now, th it's worth noting that this is not true for majors or world arcs, they are dead space. So uh, you cannot warp in them. Uh, that's important because in, in the majors, the, the rocks that you can mine, uh, by the way, there's rocks that you can mine, are 50 kilometers plus away. And in the world arcs, they are at least a kilometer, uh, 100 kilometers away. Are these rocks actually worth mining, or is it just sort of a thing that was there and was worth it until rats showed up? Oh, boy. So th th this brings me back to the fact that I bring an orca to my shield fleets. Um, it, they are they're worth it for a couple of reasons. One, it's, it's better um, than normal Scordite. Hold on a second. It's better than normal Scordite, um, but also you get the advantage of the fact that mining speed is increased inside of invasions. So if you're inside the foothold, then your mining is actually increased by 40%. You mine 40% faster than normal. Um, so if you can get in there, so we bring in like an Orca, like I said, that brings shield boost for the team, two shield reps, um, lots of cargo space, for all the salvage and brings a mining boost uh, for the skiffs that can come in. And basically you daisy chain. So you've got the fleet and then you've got the orca and then you've got the skiffs and they can reach out to the rocks and the rocks inside the majors have racavine or not. It's called racavine, but they have a morphite in it, which is normally not possible to get in high sec and dangerous to get elsewhere. Curious. All right. Is there any other mechanics things that we want to discuss, or shall we find a reason to discuss the lore? Because there's a pretty interesting narrative going on behind the scenes here. Well, there's. Uh, we can. We can. Uh, we could do both at once. Uh, All right. Let's do it. We can, we, we take can it away, Fonsui. Yeah. Uh, there is a new site coming. Okay. <laughs> there is a new site being added. So. Originally, we started out with the minor conduits, then we got our major conduits, and then we got our world arcs. And most recently, they added the emerging conduits, which are surrounding the invasions. Uh, what is being added is a stellar investigation slash stellar laboratory slash stellar accelerator. 
Uh, we've seen all of these names used to refer to it. They've changed from one to the other. We're not entirely certain. I believe Stellar Accelerator is the current iteration. And uh, ooh, let me, let me, uh, I, I should give you a few links to this. Is this the check. one where we saw the CC Hobo Leaks data that showed an entity, yes. a precursor entity named Test Dread? So we're thinking that a Triglavian Dreadnought is happening? So we've, we've seen that. Oh, we, that's right. We didn't get to that. We should talk about that. Uh, so in the Abyss, this isn't strictly invasion related, but uh, who knows? Uh, in the Abyss, some time ago, uh, many, many months ago, uh, when you ran Tier 5 sites, Chaotic Abyss sites, there was a chance that instead of getting a site where you jump in and you have to clear three rooms, you would jump in and you would just get one room. And that one room would have 17 Leshaks in it that all wanted you dead. Uh, they were guarding a special construct that turned out to be the World Ark. That's where they were building the World Ark for the invasions. It was inside the Abyss all this time, and we got to see it before it was, you know, before it came out and attacked us. This, now, this room is immortalized in uh, the invasion trailer. So if you watch the invasion trailer, the three guys that go into the abyss, that's basically a recreation of what it's like to go into that world arc room. It's like you jump in and you're like, we should not be here. We should do something else. Now, thankfully, the world arc does not follow you out of the abyss when that happens. That, yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be troubling. Uh, so now that the world arc is here, what is this room for? And the answer is, uh, they're building dreads, or at least that's what we think. They're building something capital sized. There's been a scope video that has indicated this. Uh, I think Lokaval's got some record. Lokaval the Nub has gotten some recordings of uh, of this. It looks like they're building three ships at once, three dreads. Uh, and we have, as you said, seen on Hobo Leaks, two entries uh, that said test dread and test dread friendly. That were both part of the invading precursor entities group, which is the invasion, the group that all invasion routes are part of. So we know that it's uh, related to the invasion specifically. We know nothing further than that. In fact, we don't even know what they look like because the model being used is uh, is what it's a blood raider something. Yeah, it, it? it just looks like they've uh, they've copied the diamond blood raider rats dread over, and, and they just haven't modified the stats yet. That's my guess. Yeah, so we know nothing. They may have done much more development on that, and that's all that they've released to Singularity for us, because we know that they've been very sly about that lately. Uh, they've made a point of telling us so, like, that we, they've been very tight about what actually gets out to CC and what doesn't. Um, they've shut down invasions on CC because they specifically don't want us seeing what's going on. Now, it, it's, it's also worth noting that, like, there is little to no evidence that the test dreads and the stellar labs are the part of the same thing. It specifically says, yeah, in, in fact, it specifically says that it's a Lashak that is deploying the, uh, the stellar laboratory. So this appears to be two different, there's actually three distinct different things that appears to be coming according to the, uh, the Hobelix. We have uh, the dread, uh, these two, the test red and friendly test red, we have uh, what appears to be the for, the formation, the beginnings of a rogue drone event, and then you also have the stellar the stellar laboratories or stellar accelerators. So what we're looking at right now 
is the Chislov Leshak, which is, from what we understand, the commander or boss of this new site, this new, this stellar laboratory, stellar accelerator. Uh, there's another image that you can bring up that describes what this uh, stellar accelerator is going to do. So as you see in the image here, it's actually going to create system-wide effects that are going to impact everything. It's going to increase turret tracking, missile explosion velocity, mining speed, and it's going to reduce warp speed while this is up. Uh, these sites, <laughs> these sites will only appear uh, at the, the, the sun of a foothold system. That is the only place that these sites will appear, and they are intended for two to seven players. Uh, and there is some very, very, very rich story in the text that you have on screen right now. And I think that I, I think that Ash would do it justice better than I would. Well, before we dig into this text in particular, can we get an overarching narrative for the Triglavians? Like, I feel like we haven't discussed the Triglavian lore as much as we should have on the show in the past. So can we just get a quick overview? What is, what's the deal with these Triglavians? What are these invasions about? Why are they here? Yeah, I, I, can give, I can give you the short version, and Ash can give you the better version. Yeah, let's do that. Ash can nitpick. Uh, no, he, he, I'm going to give you the version that Ash is going to have to correct. Uh, so essentially, it, so I, I'm not going to give you the full history. I'll, I'll kind of I'll start, you know, at the relevant portion here. These, Actually, these triglons, before we get into anything, I want to I want to point out that everything that we know about the Triglavians basically comes from like less than 30 item descriptions and a couple of videos. So, a lot of information is speculative and a lot of information is based on like assumptions that are created by like comparing the language that are used in two different places and whatnot. So, any or all of the what we know about it could be technically wrong. Now then, proceed. <laughs> so as far as far as we know, uh, these Triglavians are Jovians. They are some remnant of Jovians. They broke off at some point or another, and they, uh, uh, as they say in the video, the ancient domains were were lost to them. They were sealed off. They were taken away. So they've lived in the abyss for who knows, thousands of years. And uh, they've figured out how to live there. They figured out how to be stable and create a whole culture and society. And uh, somehow we started poking around. The filaments started showing up and we started poking around. And now they want to know, they're poking back. And that is what the invasions are. They, uh, it's these, these strange, you know, alien-like offshoots of uh, of the Jove that we don't quite understand that have all sorts of different uh, just co concepts of morality and honor uh, that we don't quite get. And we don't know what they want. We don't know what they're trying to do. But this new site here and its description is a very, very scary revelation uh, that kind of pushes that, that story a little bit forward. Yeah, we know that the Triglavians are very interested in the manipulation of space-time and the topology of space itself, uh, as they say. And so, I mean, like, this goes all the way back to, like, early pre-World Arc time, where 
uh, right before the World Arc when we were receiving messages from the Triglavians via the semiosis consoles that you got from that World Arc room that we were talking about, um, you would receive these videos. And while at first they, they showed the World Arc, this was our early, um, uh, earliest pictures of them, uh, of it, but then we also saw uh, what appeared to be Rasnaborgs or reconnaissance on various systems in New Eden. And in particular, they seem to be interested in um, the state of the stars within the system. Hmm. I've seen the the specifically the Rasnaborgs going around scanning structures, but it looks like like the old what were they? Not the drifters, the things that the sleepers, the sleepers that would roam around and scan gates. It looks like that, but it's red. Is that Correct. what we're talking about? Well, no. So the. Uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, let me get you the videos. But um, basically, they showed just the planet, and it has, a, or like, the solar system, the picture of the star. It actually showed, like, a random capsuleer and what they were doing. So, like, in one of them, it was just some guy who we contacted, and they didn't know anything about anything. And uh, it was him hauling stuff. And then another one, it was, like, a Mimitar station. Like, we don't know why they were paying attention to these things, but uh, it was all part of this report. And then on the right-hand side, there's all these different... Um, like stat, stats, but none of them made are like what you would think of. Um, either way, um, this that's what predated the world arcs showing up. And then at the world arcs themselves, underneath the world arc, there are several non-hostile uh, structures that have descriptions that basically talk about how they are sensors. So they, these Triglavians are actually interested in their ability to manipulate space-time. So they're experimenting. These invasions are actually less of a, an actual takeover and more of a series of experiments as the Triglavians are, be, are uh, perfecting their tools of uh, you know, deployment or whatever um, in, their, in their path towards extirpation uh, of the Postulas flow. Either way. Um, so it, it's... It also manifests in other weird ways. So like in minor conduits, for example, as I said, it's not dead space, so you can warp around. But in majors, it is dead space. But what's interesting about that is that in minors, the rats won't warp within the site. They can warp to and from, but they won't warp within the site. In majors and world arcs, which are dead space, the rats can actually warp within the site. So it seems like the rats have some sort of special control over space-time that increases as you go towards major and world arc conduits. Um, and then finally, of course, now we have these stellar laboratories, which are incredibly interested in the stars themselves uh, and using the stars to create power, enough power to uh, radiate these status effects. And then if I can find the text. I've also dropped some, uh, since you're speaking about the stars, I've dropped some images uh, that you can show that shows some very interesting statistics relating to the stars of the systems that are being selected as footholds. And this is data that players have just gone out and be like, hmm, these Triglavians, they seem to like to look at stars. These invasions are happening in systems, so let's look at the stars too and then do our own data collection alongside the Triglavians to try and figure out what they're interested in. All right, this is some interesting stuff. <laughs> It's not entirely random, though, because we've had... So if we go all the way back to the Salian incident and Templar 1, you have what's called Isogen 5, right? Which is this 
super crazy, powerful, dangerous, quantumly entangled material that uh, when Jamil threw the super weapon into the sun, blew up uh, the, all of the caches that had been assembled by some mysterious precursor race, um, uh, exploded simultaneously. And this caused uh, what's known as the salient incident. And what was particularly interesting about this is that Isogen 5 only can be found and is only effective in and around type O blue stars. Um, and so the, the systems with blue stars, including Salen, um, when this happened, the stars themselves shot out this pulse of energy, like almost like a supernova that destroyed the local planets, which is why we have the shattered planets now. And this was the event that opened up the wormholes. Okay, so Isogen 5 and blue stars have been with this since the beginning. Um, so we already knew to kind of be looking, and in particular for blue stars. And so what's interesting here is that they do preference blue stars way above statistical norms, and uh, they actually prefer anything but typo blue stars uh, beyond statistical norms. Yeah. So you, it's like you look they're at, looking... If you look at the comparison of the blue stars, all three stars, the O-type, the B-type, and the A-type blue stars are all pretty much an even distribution, and yet they are almost entirely avoiding the O-type ones. So they're scared of this explosion thing or something related to it. We think, uh, or I think, I suspect that, like, with the destruction of the Isogen 5, it's very possible that the value of the typo blue stars systems is consumed because of that. Um, I mean, obviously, there's something going on about t uh, the, the spatial anomalies around these stars that causes these weird things to happen. And yeah, so, I think if those they're ones are used up, yeah. So, if they're hunting for something, uh, I also suggest that maybe they're not hunting for Isogen 5 itself, but they're hunting for the properties that allow the, the creation of Isogen 5. Maybe there's some sort of time, you know, like temporal weirdness in those systems that we don't understand, but allows for the formation of this substance. Now, we also know that they're very interested in these kinds of things because uh, within the abyss is actually Isogen 10, which is um, which they also use in their construction. We see in the latest locked Deca Isogen, which Deca meaning 10, of course. Um, and uh, it also says in the description of Isogen 10, that if split, it could become a massive power source. And I keep thinking that, you know, five plus five. Equals and split two. is five? That, I mean, I understand that that isn't how isogens work, but, uh, you know. How do you know that's not how isogens work? Maybe that's exactly how isogens work. Because I almost, I, all, I, I passed chemistry. So I think isogens is meant to mean isotopes here. But the isotopes no. we're talking well, no. about are isotopes. No, it's, it's an item that is called crystallized isogen dash 10. And mm -hmm. that yeah, dash like 10 could just mean the 10th something of it. It doesn't mean have to mm. mean something that our today science makes sense of. So who knows? Maybe it could be split in half. Or maybe it's a quantity of something that we're unaware, unfamiliar with. Let's, let's get... That's too far down the speculation train. Let's pull back to the... Marginally in any case, speculative. in any case, we don't we don't really need to go that we don't really need to go that far. So what we know is that at some point in time, the Triglavian came into contact with the Drifters within Triglavian space, and upon seeing the Drifters, they immediately identified them 
as an ancient enemy. They actually call them the ancient enemy Azdaja, which means ancient enemy dragon. Um, and they describe the, dr the drifters as being of the Council of Tyrants, which is very noteworthy given the fact that the tyrants were actually the leaders of the Second Jovian Empire. So if all of this stems from the Second Jovian Empire, it kind of makes sense that they would recognize them, but how this all plays out in their exact roles and things, still unknown. So, um, so at some point they run into these drifters and they realize that there's something or that, that you know, the, their security has been breached, their world has been breached, uh, and, and the ancient conflict has basically reignited. And so that's when they start to gear up. Uh, a little while later, uh, I believe probably after the, uh, the original VEDMAC gets captured, so the VEDMAC gets captured by Concord, and the filament technology becomes uh, more widely spread in known space. And it originally gets leaked out and spread towards the pirate factions, which is why you can get the T1 Abyss filaments in pirate sites. So at some point in all of this, Sancha, or members of Sancha's nation, have made multiple incursions into Triglavian space. And the Triglavians have... A, what they call ancient noema, uh, which is like an ancient policy or thought. Noema means thought, uh, which allows them to basically emulate this, this hive mind that they've, that they've found on site. Um, but what's most interesting is, is that actually the middle one, one of the three times that they've encountered Sasha, according to their logs, they actually failed to, to destroy the Sancha and the Sancha uh, intosist itself into the ship and then uh, corrupted the Narodnia, which would be the person, uh, so badly that the uh, Triglavians ended up immolating the ship to prevent further corruption. In, I know we did a show recently about invasion, or pardon me, incursions, and the incursion runners were not particularly happy because there have been fewer incursions spawning now. And in fact, that in the flavor text CCP put out is explicitly because of these invasions. So are, are the Triglavians lashing out in retaliation for this? Is this some old grudge that they have against the Sanchas? And why are the Sanchas suddenly not invading as much as they used to? Oof, there's, there's a lot to all of this. So um, basically... In all of the logs that we have from the Triglavians, they, they have six different logs for each of the races that they've come into contact with, right? The, um, the Deviant Automata, which is the Road Drones, the Ancient Enemy Astasia, the Drifters, the Augmented Foreign Neuronia, which is us, and the Hivelinked Foreign Neuronia or Corrupted Foreign Neuronia, which is Sancha, right? Those are, those are the four, I think, four groups that they have kind of opinions on. And in these logs, you see like kind of first contact, uh, maybe like how they, how it develops. But then about the third or fourth log, they ask for what's called a winnowing of the discourse, which I think means like, okay, well, you know, we have enough information. Let's make an opinion on all of this. Right. Um, however, in the case of the Sancha, when that was requested, it's actually denied. And immediately in the next paragraph, they create a special operations troika uh, for the extirpation of Sancha directly from what, well, what many believe the passage to mean is that that group that's going to uh, be assigned to that is, is from the Svarog subclade, or the Svarog clade, the Dazbog subclade of the Svarog clade. 
So this group is now, just like Zoria Triglav is, um, is a part of the detached executive troika for the sublimation of Poshla's flow, uh, which means they're here to destroy the bad guys, <laughs> with a lack of a better word. Uh, no, that, that's exactly what that means. That's exactly what it means. Um, but uh, now there's a second uh, group or, or unit that we haven't really identified yet, uh, or seen, rather, that is specifically dedicated to the killing Sancha. Meanwhile, on the other half of things, we now have the Vamashka chorus, um, where the, we, the first clues about the Vamashka chorus came from the True Deliverance skins that were released onto the market uh, f- about two months ago, uh, which have a quote by a guy who's talking about the destruction of a station and saying that basically you you thought that you could live in you know while while afraid you know and that the nation won't come you said that you would run and hide and be safe you know let it be known that no one is safe there's only deliverance you know all that stuff like you know sancha kind of rhetoric but it it attributes it to somebody that they say is a former true citizen and is now the leader of the vamashka chorus um and then we started seeing in the news that there are uh, planets being raided by the Vamashka Chorus, a uh, branch of Sancha. Um, and most notably, there was two in uh, Sushi? Seshi? Seshi. Uh, I think it was Seshi. There have been two attacks there. The first attack was successful. The second attack was less successful. And the reason why I'm saying all of this because of this question is because immediately after that, the last new notification that we've received is actually that the Triglavians have now f- attacked the exact same system, and it says that they believe that it's in relationship to the Vamashka Chorus. So it's possible that there's A, a schism. They also describe the Vamashka Chorus as a splinter group within the, uh, within the Sancha. So it's very possible that the hive mind is cracking, more or less, or that Sancha isn't even who he said he was um, with, with the invasions. And so um, we see this new group of people led by a true citizen that is causing their own problems under the Sancha banner. Ah. So we're going to start wrapping things up here as far as Laura's is concerned. Are there any big things that we need to address that haven't been covered yet? Yeah, the, the punchline to all this. Uh, quantum interactions similar to Triglavian space-time filament and conduit technology have been detected. And it is possible that the collective are engaged in an effort to weave the star's gravity well into their conduit network. The prospect of the Triglavians incorporating the system into their domains cannot be ruled out and merits forceful counteraction by New Eden's defenders. So Triglavians are trying to connect abyssal space to regular space? Is that what I'm hearing? They're, they're, they're trying to pull this from what it sounds like. It says the prospect of the Triglavians incorporating the system into their domains cannot be ruled out. And this may be what they did all those thousands of years ago when they disappeared into the abyss. And they may be doing it again. So there's three possibilities near as I can see it. One, they are literally going to rip the sun and bring it into the abyss. It is very possible that, that this is where, how they've developed the technology to have enough power to secure um, you know, stable pockets of gravity within abyssal dead space. Uh, 
Number two, they could be using it to power their conduits. In other words, to bring something bigger and scarier than even the world arc through. Or oh, that, what I what I read is from the item description from the Triglavian Stellar Accelerator item, which is the item that you must destroy in the new site. Right. There's a third. So what's our what's our third thing that could that, possibly that. happen? So it could be powering something, right? Or so, okay. The Triglavian technology requires three singularities in order to function. So if they're incorporating the star into the power conduit, like, are they going to make a conduit out of three stars? But most likely what I suspect is actually going to happen is that the Triglavians are, are going to be able to fully take over a system. There is a possibility that somehow the Triglavians can, you know, it's now no longer an empire high-sec system. It's a Triglavian system until the problem is handled. Much like uh, how the drifters are going to take off. So the, what what this means remains to be seen, but it seems very very serious and rather dire. Yeah. So the final message from the Triglavians was, which we got at Eve North, was uh, the direction of the flow approaches liminality. Clandestine proving in the ancient domains commences. You will join the flow or be extirpated. And the problem with that last one is that I interpreted that as you're either for us or against us. But if you're talking about literally turning systems into Triglavian domain, when they use the word flow, they either mean the flow of virage, which seems to be their religion, their, their, their path, their efforts, um, which is in contrast to the posh loss flow, which I mentioned earlier. But then they also just refer to the flow itself. And when they do, they refer to it, they seem to be referring to the abyss. So when they say, you will join the flow or be extirpated. Maybe they just mean you're moving. Yeah, are they just saying, we're taking you, and if you resist, you die? <laughs> Y'all better learn to speak Triglavian. I don't know yet. But it, but, but it went from, I think these, these guys are going to be our allies, to this just got a whole lot spookier as of this morning. <laughs> Cows are suddenly being beamed up out of nowhere. All right, fair enough. I think that's a, a good enough place to end the lore discussion. Definitely some questions that are left to be answered by some various lore sleuths and whatever CCP decides to release to us. Certainly keep an eye on Singularity and these Targlavian invasions because stuff will hit live and not hit CC in the meantime, as we learned earlier in this episode. Let's talk about some other things that are happening in and around EVE Online besides Targlavian invasions themselves. Uh, there's an invasion going on in Detrid, in case you weren't paying attention the last couple of months, and it seems to be coming to a close, at least, so to speak. Uh, there was a leaked and translated transcript, so to speak, of a ping that went out reportedly to Winter Coalition, claiming that they were retreating or moving back into Cache, which is a region just northwest, pardon me, northeast of Detrid, and that's where they're going to be main staging their English-speaking folk, and then the Chinese-speaking folk will be staged elsewhere and trying to protect West Tetrid. But Tetrid will no longer be the home, the staging area of Fraternity and the remainder of Winter Coalition. So it seems to be that either the Southern War is about to get really, really hot or it's about to die out. And we're giving it a bit more time to figure out which direction it's going to go 
before we do some more in-depth analysis on that one. The, the direction of the flow has not been proven. <laughs> I mean, I, it seems to me that it's just fading because we see heavy evac ops now. So very, very heavy evac ops. I mean, it could get very, very hot if one of those very heavy evac ops suddenly gets dropped by some other very heavy. Oh, ship. yeah. Uh, don't get Just me saying. wrong. There's always a chance of a fight still. But uh, as far as the progression or the objective of the war seems sort of clear now. All right. Some other news with our last thing before we wrap up and jump into our Something You Might Not Know segment is that there's been some additional information released about eVegas 2019. That's uh, the Vegas happening this year. It is the last E Vegas, by the way, or at least the last one for now, because they're going to San Diego next year, if my memory serves. But in any case, things are happening. You can now learn about the pub crawl, about axe throwing, and also we know what devs are going to be in attendance. Notably, CCP Helmar, the CEO of CCP Games, will be at E Vegas, as well as CCP Convict, the newest like community team member also formerly an EVE player. So that'll be cool. Definitely a, a quite a large list of CCPers who are going to be in attendance. It should be pretty awesome. I'm glad to see CCP Aquarian is going to be making his way out. Also, always fun to see him. All right, and that is just about it as far as this episode is concerned, the content we want to discuss. But there is one more segment that is very important to the show. It's called Something You Might Not Know. And it's where the hosts and the guests try and tell the EVE, or our audience rather, something they might not know related to EVE Online. It could be player history, it could be an in-game mechanic, it could also be a bit of lore. I suspect Fonsui and Ash Tarothi have some lore stuff queued up for us. Ash, you look like you're deep in thought there. You got something for us? Yeah, can you hit your push to talk key for me? We're not hearing any audio. And while he is working on that, Fonsui, you got something Oh, for man, I thought I was going to have a minute. Okay, Silver, how about you? You came in late. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, a little bit of a rough day. I don't think I have one today for you guys. Um, oh, I'm, I'm good. Okay, Fonsui, take it away. Yeah. Uh, Tier 5 Abyss is easier than you think. It is 95% snooze fest, 4% mildly engaging. And 1%, you need new pants. Can confirm. I multi-boxed them. <laughs> Good news. Can you hear me yet? Hey, there we go. All right, Ash, what you got for us? Uh, so my my hint is not lore-related. It is, actually is that, uh, man, people are going to get mad at me every time I do these. So as it turns out, uh, the Triglavians operate like regular players, which means two things. One, well, three things. One, you can rep them. Two, they, you can jam them. And three, you can cargo scan them, or ship scan them. And I'll leave you guys to figure out what those things do. Oh, is that a big hint? Like we should be cargo scanning? No, things? there's... Well, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. So when you cargo can scan... Can you find them, out what loot a Zoriac may drop? Is that what's it happening? It does appear as if you can see what the rat is going to drop when it dies. Now, is this a case where, like, the loot fairy still has a chance to cut half of that away? Or is it, if you see it in the cargo scan, that's what's happening? We've only discovered this incidentally. We have not done further research. All right. Oh, man, I was hoping for, like, you cargo scan it and you get, like, a piece of the lore that you need to read and figure it I out. I know. No, we, so when we first got in there, we were like, hey, look, there's towers underneath the world arc. We need to bring in Entosis. <laughs> Sadly, it didn't do anything. 
We keep trying new things, though. My uh, my thing that you may not know actually relates to the greater Eve community and the stories of Eve past. It's a recommendation of a book that you may be interested in reading. It's called A Tale of Internet Spaceships. I had completely forgotten that this book existed until it reappeared in my brain space recently for various reasons. And it's a pretty good book. I'd recommend it. It's called A Tale of Internet Spaceships. It wasn't written by CCP. I think if, if I remember correctly, it was like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter or something crazy like that. But it's a book about EVE Online, and I would recommend it. It's like a tabletop book, like a coffee table. Yeah. Sort of like EVE Source, but less art heavy, I think. EVE Source is also a great EVE Online book. Also a great tabletop book. All right, and that'll do it for this week's episode of Talking Assations. This was recorded on August 25th, depending on your time zone, I guess nowadays. We record these every week on Wednesdays at 2359 Eve time. We also have the regularly scheduled Sunday show at 1600 Eve time on Sundays. Uh, Matterall, by the way, has been doing a show called Today in Eve Online every weekday at around 1500 to 1530. And basically just Whatever the interesting story is today in EVE Online, he'll sit there and he'll chat about it. You can hop on Discord here with us in the Talking Stations Discord and maybe join in the conversation. So I'd recommend you go and check those out either when he's live or they're also being posted to our Talking Stations YouTube channel, which if you're not subscribed, go ahead over there as well. All right, that's enough shilling for this week's episode. I do want to give a massive shout out and thank you to Ashtarothi and Fonsui, our guests for today's show. Also, they're regular crew members and contributors to Talking in Stations. So while you may not see their beautiful faces or hear their wonderful voices, they're certainly having an impact on the content that we present to you. So thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. And also, Silver, thanks for being here again. Oh, yeah, no problem. Sorry I'm late, guys. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Stations. Tune in next time. <laughs>